Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Uh, my name is Mason, I'm the host here. And a quick apology before we get going. Um, if you saw the most recent episode with Chris Fisher, I had to take it down because I heard that uh, there was, when I went to edit it, I, I must have just not listened thoroughly enough, but there was a, a little bit of cursing in it. And usually not a huge deal, but I wanted to edit it out because I've heard from a lot of people who listen to this show with their families, with little kids, and I've heard you know folks even playing it in their classrooms. Uh, so just always want to make sure this show's family friendly. So I just took it down. Nothing against Chris. I, I should have said something, <laughs> but we, it's totally fine. In fact, sometimes I cuss too, and I have to go back and make sure I edit it out because I love to keep it conversational and I like folks to just feel comfortable on. Uh, and it wasn't anything outrageous. I just it was enough that I needed to take it down anyway. Um, if you ever hear anything in the show. Uh, like an audio, uh, it just just editing was weird or something sounded off. I very well could have made a mistake. I've made plenty of them over over uh, the last few years. In fact, uh, an episode recently, I accidentally overlaid two clips of audio together, and I heard from some of y'all, and I went in and fixed that too. So um, anything at all, always feel free to reach out. Uh, Mason at adventuresportspodcast.com is my email. Uh, or just you know reach out on um, social media. You can find me on Instagram, and I respond pretty quickly on there. So anything at all, if you ever hear anything just sounds weird, timing's weird, or just you know there's a mishap or, or cussing or anything like that, just reach out and we'll take care of it. So thanks for the, the listeners doing that, uh, and thanks for Micah for for catching that. Today's episode is Deirdre Wolinick. We've had Deirdre on twice now. And I've had a handful of conversations with her outside of the podcast. Uh, and it, you, you might not recognize her name, but she's the mother of Alex Honnold. Uh, yes, the Alex Honnold that is like the world famous climber, um, free soloist, all that. Uh, and you're going to hear where Alex gets his drive. And what's so cool about Deirdre's story, this episode, by the way, is from 2019, is she is just so multi-talented. And I think it boils down to one talent, one big talent, which is grit and determination. But it has just shown itself and expressed itself in so many different ways over the years. She's done everything from started an orchestra to running a press, uh, a printing press company, you know, uh, uh, making, you know, releasing books and whatnot. I don't know if that's a printing press or more just a, a printing company, whatever that's called. I'm, I'm blanking on the word, but you know what I'm saying? She's done a ton of different things. She speaks like five or six languages. It's unbelievable. She's taught other languages in other countries. And her, her story is so fascinating. She has a book about her life called uh, The Sharp End of Life. And I highly recommend it. I have a copy at my house. I've read it. And she is so stinking fascinating. And on top of that, she got into climbing, got into running much later in life than than you would think. Um, but her son, as we'll hear, inspired some of that and got her kind of just to start running. And that has cascaded into all kinds of stuff. She's the oldest woman to ever climb El Cap in uh, El Capitan in Yosemite. That same peak or, or face, rock face that her son, Alex Honnold, is famous for free soloing. She's climbed that as well with ropes, of course. And at the age of 70, she climbed it. Unbelievable. That was a few years ago. We actually had an episode all about that. So, you know, enough of me rambling. Let's go ahead and uh, dive into the episode. 
All right. Well, welcome to the show. Today we have Deirdre Wollenick. Deirdre, welcome. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. You have so many accolades and just an interesting life. And I'm I'm gonna read through that in the um after the fact. I'll record another intro and put all that in there. Okay. Um, but welcome to the show. And and uh, man, you you you're well, you're having a book coming out May first. Um right. you are you have seen your son have a pretty incredible few years. Um, oh, how, yeah. how has it been from your perspective? Uh, it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> it's been a real whirlwind. Um, you know, we've been leading up to this little by little for many years, and it's yeah, a whirlwind is a good word for it. <laughs> I'm sure that's an understatement, honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I I never in my wildest dreams ever imagined going to the Oscars <laughs> for one thing. No, what was that like? Is it is it as glamorous as it seems to all it of us? Was, oh yes. Okay. <laughs> and then and, and then some. And then some. So in real <laughs> life it's even better. You can't even imagine. <laughs> right. What what was the feeling for you when they announced Free Solo? Well, I was already convinced that, that was going to win. You know, I kind of knew that <laughs> um in my mother's heart. Um but it still was very emotional, you know. The whole room exploded. The room was filled with Nat Geo people and Fox people, and the whole room exploded, and, and it was just a very emotional moment. I know a lot of people were rooting for it, you know. It, yeah. It's so out of the norm for an event like that, to, but so many people in that world just were so fascinated by the film. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Um, man, it's it's. It's including the else. prince including the prince <laughs> did you see that the prince uh, when they won the bafta in london oh that's in right england yeah. you know the prince uh, really cornered them and chatted with them for a long time he was a fan of alex's wanted to look at his hands and like, ask him all kinds of questions alex Alex was piqued by that <laughs> he was kind of intrigued by that wow i mean do you, do you get tired of talking about him <laughs> no no. no. Does any mother get tired of talking about their son? Uh, I don't think no, so. No good mother, I don't think. Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. It's just your perspective from everything is just fascinating. But you haven't sat there idle this whole time. You've been nope. You've been participating. You've been learning new skills. You've oh, been yes. doing, honestly, once-in-a-lifetime things yourself oh, yeah. for the last... <laughs> quite a few years now so um, the last 10 years yeah. the last 10 years so so what kind of kicked that off for you oh <laughs> done a lot done a lot well my birthday is in september and that's peak season no pun intended but that's peak season in yosemite and um yosemite is only three hours from our house and so every year since i started climbing i have asked my son to lead me up something extraordinary for my birthday and he always does. And it has always been extraordinary. I've done all the, the big major name peaks that everybody, you know, kind of dreams about um, in Yosemite, in the backcountry and you know, up in Tuolumne Meadows. It's just been, I, I, I tend to overuse that word extraordinary, but it is so extra, you know, mean, meaning out of the ordinary for uh, for most people that it's just, there are no words. <laughs> But I'm thinking of them. I'm thinking. Right, right. And now, now you can, can you take us back to when you decided to do? Have you always been the type of person that decided I want to learn new skills and do incredibly kind, unique things, or, or is it? Developed? Yeah, kind of. No, okay. kind of. I've I've always 
Yeah, even when I was little, I never bought into this, uh, you know, keep your place, you're, you're a girl, you're supposed to do this and that. I never bought into that. And I never understood people who did buy into those kinds of limits. And so if I wanted to do something, I just learned enough to do it and went and did it, you know. Um, when I moved to Northern California I'm back in, well, when Alex was born, um, it was my opportunity to follow a, a lifelong dream. I'd always wanted, I've, I've been a musician all my life, um, piano and clarinet and guitar. and I can basically play a lot of instruments. And I always wanted to conduct an orchestra. <laughs> it's not, it's not your usual daydream. You know, I always just, I, I was fascinated by that ever since I was little. And I knew that, you know, if it ever happened in my lifetime, it, it would have to be by, by, uh, invitation you know to come guest conduct somebody's orchestra because i don't have any training in that i don't have no in, on paper training um but you know i trained myself all my life and i watched and i listened and i learned but uh, so when i moved to west sacramento and and had alex and i had two children and there was nothing nothing much in west sacramento and it was not a city yet it, it is a city now but it's on the other side of the river from sacramento so everybody just went over the river for everything and so I started an orchestra and I had no training to do this. I had no, I just learned what I needed to know in books from people. I, 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 you know, asked everybody I knew who were, was in that domain and got all kinds of uh, helpful hints and, 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 and just did it. Jumped in both feet, started the West Sacramento community orchestra. I, I organized it, I created it and I conducted it for four years. And what, what it was that, I mean, what's your attitude going into this? You, you, you want to, but then when it starts moving, do you get overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, now I got to make this happen? Or does that kind of fuel you? No, no, I've, I, no, I've never been overwhelmed by uh, any of this stuff. <laughs> if I decide, if I decide I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And that's, you know, that's it. Um, no, I, I ran it for four years and then it kind of took off on its own. Now they have, uh, I don't, I don't run it anymore. I don't connect it anymore. I live a little too far to do that every week. It's cause it's, it's like a full-time job, you know, basically. I can imagine. Yeah. No, I had to abandon that when I, like when I got my full-time uh, college teaching job, didn't have time. <laughs> Man. And now do you think, uh, now it's, it's pretty clear. Alex is kind of that same way now. You also have a daughter. Is she like that as yes, well? Yes, she she is. <laughs> she is. Both of my kids are, are adventurous. Yeah, it's very gratifying, really. I mean, it, and it's so and it's so interesting when we all get together. Just, the conversations are fascinating. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In exactly. particular, you can talk about it in a bunch of different languages because you've you've taught five languages. So I assume you know at least five. Do you know more than that? Yeah, I know more than that. Not fluently, but uh, I can get by. I can squeak by. How the heck do you have time to learn five languages? <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in New York City after the war. You know, I'm I'm older than I look. <laughs> and uh, after the war, New York was filled with um, they called them refugees, you know, immigrants from all over the European world and North African world and some Asian, not much Asian at that time. But, um, and so I grew up, all my friends were from different countries and their parents spoke different languages or their grandparents, whoever they lived with. And so I had to be sociable, you know, so you had to say hello to everybody when I went there and stuff. And so that was normal, you know, mm -hmm. using lots of languages and my own family, all the old people spoke Polish 
And so I grew up with a bilingual kind of environment, you know, and then I went on to study the, the languages that interested me too. And the rest is history. So yeah, I've taught five different languages. I speak about eight or nine, but very, very haltingly, you know, I can get by, but I sound good. <laughs> my claim to, my claim to fame is I can sound good in all of them. Because, you know, I learned, I learned to mimic when I was really little. And, and so I'm good at that. Wow. And now, now you, you obviously are, pretty well in, in those languages to be able to teach them at the college level because you were a professor yeah, oh yeah. for quite a while. Been a te- I've been a teacher for 44 years at various 44 levels. 44 years, really. I know, I know. That's a long time. That is awesome. <laughs> now, do you, do you, uh, you keep up with... My wife's a teacher at the at the elementary school level. And oh, goodness. Holy that, cow, they put What a demanding work. job that is. She's got... Now, hats off to her. Boy, well, I could never do that. Yeah, well, well yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't think she wants to much longer, but <laughs> it is tough. I hope she works works her way up to a little more, a little less demanding level. Uh, yes, that can yes. be a little more engaging. Yes, community college is wonderful because they're they're sort of adults, and you you also have uh, adults, you know, gray haired adults, you know, in the classes as well, and so it's a wonderful mix of of uh, of experience base and and uh, attitude. It's great. I love love teaching college. Now, now, what what brought you out to California from New York City? Um, well, I always wanted to see California when I, I was living in New York, uh, and uh, I came out here one summer when I was in my twenties and loved it. And the following year, I got a job and moved out, but not to here, though, to Southern California. I lived in Southern Cal for three, two and a half, three years, something like that. And then we, then we moved to Japan for, for four years. Now, and then you met, uh, who became your husband. Yeah. I met Charlie in Southern California. Yeah. But he's, but he's from Northern California. He was working down there. So what, you know, you, you, your, your book, your, your book coming out on May 1st is the, the sharp end of life. Um, but I, but I know not every time of your life has been all that pleasant. What, what were some of those challenging points that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I called it, you know, are you a climber? I've climbed. I'm, I'm more of a, a cyclist and, and backpacker. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But I used to live um, in Yosemite Valley, and I used to run into your son all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. The, right, right when he was doing the the right before the free solo, I was there for the for the Don Wall with Tommy Caldwell. Oh, really? And, uh, we oh. had him on the show a couple months ago to talk about that. Oh, exciting times! Man. All kinds of exciting things Man, happening. The climbing yeah. world. It's it's mainstream now, thanks to yeah, yeah, Tommy and your yeah. son. I mean, <laughs> exactly, exactly. They've changed it. Yeah. That's why I called. The, yeah, the book is called the Sharp End. The Sharp Ending climbing is the harder end you know you take mm-hmm. the rope up and you're not protected until you do it yourself and a lot of my life is sort of been like that <laughs> that's why i called it that and, and i i figured that you know someone like alex just doesn't come from from nothing at all it comes from someone or something influencing him mm-hmm. to kind of have that mindset and have that capacity and i figured it was you and guess i was right <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> So what was it like growing up, uh, raising your kids in California? I know, I know that marriage was tough at times and it, it, it... Uh, it was, it was different. Uh, I had my, my daughter was born in Japan. While we lived there. Okay. And, uh, she, we, we lived there until she was two. Um, so she was trilingual, you know, when she was a kid, but we reduced that to, to bilingual only when, when we moved back here to the land of monolingualism. <laughs> This this surprised me a lot when I moved to California because in New York, all languages are equal. 
and they're all over the place. You know, like when I go back and visit, um, I rarely ever use English. I, I talk with everybody, you know, and and they're from all over. <laughs> and so I moved out to California. I figured it would be the same. And, and we, live in, we live in the capital of California. It's like totally monolingual. So I, that's kind of surprised me. So Yeah, and California of all places is kind of prides itself on on being a little more inclusive and if you're experiencing there you're going to experience it anywhere else in the country right right you, you didn't climb then but how, how did alex get into climbing well alex was born climbing and it's all he ever wanted to do since birth um you know he he, he often talks about yeah i started climbing when i was 10 that's not accurate <laughs> he started climbing the day he was born he could stand up the day he was born which is totally totally off the wall but if you, you know, if you, you know how babies grasp with their hands all the time, and if you let him hold on to your pinkies, he would stand up. You just, you know, push himself up and he couldn't stay standing, but his thighs were powerful and his hands were huge. And that's what everybody commented on when they saw the, the new baby. Oh, a big hands he had. So he was, he's been climbing. That's all he ever wanted to do since the day he was born. He talks about, well, I didn't have many hobbies. <laughs> he didn't have any hobbies. All he ever wanted to do was climb, climb on anything, buildings, uh, shelves, uh, furniture, you know, when he was a little, whatever. All he ever wanted to do. So now, now, what did you and his father do to kind of cultivate and encourage that? Well, well, we didn't have to try to do anything. That's what he did all the time. I mean, any we had to we had to just try to protect against it, right, know, right, as best we could, because we didn't know then what who he was, what he was going to be. You know, I had no idea that climbing was a sport, but that's all he ever wanted to do. So we just tried to protect as best we could. And now he's going out and doing it without any rope. So, so <laughs> right, sure right. well, you better put a helmet on or something. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, when he grows up and he starts getting more serious about it, I mean, was it clear that he had talent or did, did it take a while? It was always clear that he had uh, the very first day I, when he was five, I took him, him and his sister to a climbing gym because I was writing a book called Sacramento with Kids. And uh, I had I had to go to this place to check it out to put it in the book or not, you know. And it was the only climbing gym in the region back then. It was, it was small, and so I I just really hated the idea of taking my son there because I didn't know what a climbing gym was. Right. You know, right. it wasn't on anybody's radar back then. But I knew my son. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I can't in all conscience take this boy to the, a place where oh, it's just, it just defied my imagination. So I prepared a list of questions really fast. I would be in and out, in and out, you know, we're not going to spend any time there. <laughs> so I took the kids and, uh, you know, I gave my children who were teeny tiny. Alex was very small and scrawny and his sister was a little, you know, she was two years older. So he was five, she was seven. And so there were two, two young men ran this gym. So one of them took the kids, gave them, you know, body harnesses and promised me that they'd be fine. And I'm thinking, yeah, sure. What do you know about <laughs> You know, and so I turned around to talk to the other one and get all my answers to my very quick list of questions. And all of a sudden, you know, I realized that, you know, when you walk into a gym, it's a barrage of noise. People are shouting, there's music, all kinds of things. All of a sudden, the gym went quiet, totally quiet. And I knew <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I knew had something to do with my son. I turned around. And there's Alex. He must have been so much. Must have weighed about 35 pounds at that point. It was so tiny. And it was 40 feet off the floor on a wall 
and everybody in the gym was watching him and and the guy who was interviewing you know for the for the book he just shook his just shook his head and said wow he's really good <laughs> <laughs> and you were like so, oh yes, boy yeah. i'm in so, for this for a yeah, while exactly <laughs> exactly so i was glad there was no other gym around and that was like 30 miles from my house so we weren't going there so, so you're saying he so, could have been even better right exactly so that's why he says he started at 10 at 10 there was a gym closer that opened up and she started going there but that's how he started he started with me and his sister at and, the rock and, and why do you think uh did you just never want to try it yourself as he was getting older and growing up you just had other responsibilities going on you i was too working, too busy yeah i I, I never had a never had a moment to myself mm. i was teaching full time more than full time i was you know, quarter overload of courses and i was writing for magazine and writing for newspapers and and taking care of two very busy kids and i just never had a moment to myself and so we tried you know taking him to the gym alternately and when charlie took him to the gym i was home doing all the stuff that needed to be done but when i took him to the gym charlie didn't do any of the stuff that needed to be done just you know read read or something so I had to give that up. So Charlie took him all the time. But of course, I mean, for, for me, it was not an option. I, first, I didn't have time. And second, I was old and lumpy, I thought, you know. Yeah, I can't. I'm too old to try something like that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's what I thought. And not old, not old exactly, but uh, out of shape, lumpy. Um, you know, not for me. I'm, I'm a mom. But, you know, get real. I'm I'm. I spend I spend my days in front of a computer or in front of a classroom or or in the kitchen. <laughs> That's mom's life. So yeah, never never even considered it until way later. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. I know on this show we don't always talk about gear, but good versus bad gear can make or break an adventure experience. And I find the best gear is the gear that I don't even think about on the adventure. And what I mean is that the gear doesn't get in the way. It's not uncomfortable. It's not low quality. And it also doesn't have tons of distracting bells and whistles. It's what I need and it's going to hold up. And that's why I'm a huge fan of Outdoor Vitals. They create ultralight performance gear the right way. It's built by outdoor enthusiasts for outdoor enthusiasts. It is absolutely not designed and made by people with suit and ties and a corporate office somewhere. I know the folks personally at Outdoor Vitals. I'm actually wearing one of their shirts right now. And what I've found as I get better and better and more experience in the outdoors is I'm willing to pay for quality because a lot of times you only pay for it once because it lasts forever. And that's what I'm finding with Outdoor Vitals. I own around half a dozen pieces of gear from them, and I wear it out, and it is still holding up. And there's all these little things that they've thought through, like with their sleeping bag, there's a zipper right in the middle, and I find it so much more comfortable to zip my sleeping bag up right there. And there's all these tiny little improvements they've made without it being you know, useless distractions or just the latest thing that doesn't really actually help. So I know when I need a piece of gear and I don't want to do all the crazy research into what's best, I know that the folks at Outdoor Vitals have thought through it all. And if you want to check out some of their new innovations and the great gear they have, go to OutdoorVitals.com. Again, that's OutdoorVitals, V-I-T-A-L-S.com. And tell them Mason at Adventure Sports Podcast sent you. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. And you got into running first. 
Right. How did how did you get into running? Well, um, my daughter is kind of a mix of both kids. In fact, uh, my daughter is a runner, and she's always been crazy about it and tell, talking about this and that. This teacher ran a marathon. This this other teacher did this. She was just excited by it as she was growing up and became a runner herself. And uh, I didn't know what that meant. You know, again, you know, the kids went out and did their thing. I was in the kitchen. I was at my computer. I didn't know what all these things were. (laughs) And um, then, you know, several years, many years down the road, um, I was my husband had just died. I had five houses to take care of. It's a crazy story. It really is. Oh, my gosh. So I guess you, you rented those out. Uh, no, I got rid of, they were, and they were in Pennsylvania, my father's house. And I was running them. I was running it from here because there are no property managers in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, just that was a full-time job and I was writing and I was teaching and I didn't have a moment to myself. So every, and, and I was the executive for my ex-husband. I had just divorced my husband and the following month after the divorce was final, he dropped dead. And uh-huh. it was like an incredible blow to everybody. I mean, you can't even imagine. And there was nobody else to be executor of his estate um, mm-hmm. but me. I mean, I you know we had just gone through all the, the process and who owns what and where it is. And the kids were too young. His mother was too old and frail. So, so I was executor. So, so every day I taught all day and I came home, fed everybody, you know, Alex and me at that point, my daughter was in Portland. She lives in Portland now. And then I would go to work on the, on the estate. And I would do that the, until I fell into bed every day for a year, year and a half. Whew. Yeah, exactly. And so every, every night we had this big dog. We had a, you know what a Malamute is? Oh yes. yes ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Alaskan sled dog, beautiful, sleek dog, powerful, built for pulling. And so I'd, Every every night, my eyes got too bleary to you know, keep working on the on the estate or whatever else. I would walk the dog, and the dog a dog that size doesn't walk. They trot and and long legs and you know. And so I would jog alongside, and we'd both get some exercise. And so and I'd come home, and the first night I'll never forget the first night, not the very first night, but the first night I did this, I we I came back and I realized that wow, we had gone a mile. I had run a mile. And to me, this was extraordinary, you know, with the dog. And and I, I told Alex, and, and Alex, is, this is so telling of, of, of my son. His immediate take was, it, oh, cool. If you can do a mile, you can do two. <laughs> you can do more. You can always do more. <laughs> you can always do more. Exactly. And I had never really thought about it that way. So I said, I looked at the map. I said, oh, okay, maybe we'll do a mile and a half next time. And, and it, it just kind of built. And then uh, then I found out that, you know, I could do a mile and a half. I could do two. And then I could do three. And I started leaving the dog home. <laughs> and then uh, I found out, you know, you've heard of the Run to Feed the Hungry. There are races, road races all over the country that for for they help the food bank in whatever city, you know. And so it's a very good cause, and it's a Thanksgiving. In so I saw that in the newspaper. I said, "Oh, heck yeah, I'm going to try that." I I had no idea what a, a road race was or what an organized race. I just ran alone with the dog at night. That was it. That was my training. And so I signed up. <laughs> thinking, oh, six miles, 6.2 miles, 10K, no way. 
but uh, I kept training. And then Alex came back from a trip that the night before he was in Spain. Yeah, Spain had a climbing competition. And he came back the night before. And he said, yeah, so he signed me up. So I signed him up. And we both went. And it was an amazing experience. It changed my life. It was totally amazing experience. I had no clue that that running was such a sport. I mean, I was totally out of it because all I did was – I, you know, my work. estate, my teaching, work, n- nothing but work. That's all I did, and so I was totally out of, out of touch, and I had no clue that there were that many people out there just running. <laughs> <Is that laughs> to many me, this was like, you know, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking, whoa, and they didn't look like me. They all had spandex on and costumes and beautiful running shoes, and I had my jeans and my sweatshirt and my my Kmart sneakers. And, but that's how and, you started. Uh, but that's how I started. You got out there. <laughs> I got out there. And, and it was life-changing. And I knew I wasn't going to finish because it was six miles. Imagine. And, but Alex ran with me. Oh, and man. He, and he told me the, you know, about Spain and his whole experience. And he ran around me in circles. And he ran backwards in front of me. And he ran it all. And he kept me company. And darn it, I finished. <laughs> wow. I'll never forget that. that. That changed my life. And then from there, what 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 did it grow to? Did did, did something switch in you, or, or you well, said your yeah, life for, has changed, and then you just yes. set goals higher and higher? And and it sounds like your kids were a huge influence in all of that. Uh, totally, totally. Uh, I, yeah, we did it all together. Really, <laughs> you were fifty. What did you say? I 55? was five. Yeah, I was fifty five when I started 55. running. Five. Yeah, and I did my first marathon the, uh, the following year, I think. Because you started climbing a few years after that, and then within a few years of that, yeah. you climbed the mecca of the rock climbing nine, world. Yeah, nine El-Cap. years later. Oh, God, what an experience that was. So how difficult is Elcap? Oh, <laughs> uh, it requires a lot of training. It's not, it's not, well, it is very difficult, but I didn't, I didn't climb the rock. I the, Actually, climbing Elcap with Alex, I didn't, that was the fir- first time I'd ever seen him um, gripped. You know, gripped by what he's climbing. Yeah. You know what it means to be gripped. You know, mm-hmm. white knuckle. Um, because there there were three of us. I didn't I didn't climb the rock. I jumard the whole thing. Okay. I climbed rope. Okay. You know, so Alex would climb up, lead, and make an anchor, anchor my rope to climb my jugging rope, and um, I would get set on that rope, and the other person, Sam, would start cleaning what Alex had led so so sam and i kind of went up at the same time different different routes because sam had to go exactly where alex went and pull out all the gear my rope was straight down right right yeah so it wasn't always straight down i had to learn how to (laughs) i had to learn how to lower myself out sideways on that trip that trip you know i call it a trip because it really was a trip up the rock and so it was learning experience all day long for me and terrifying and exciting and exhausting because most most people who do that climb we did a climb on on halloween day we did a climb called lurking fear <laughs> how appropriate is that lurking fear no kidding yeah that's what should all of them should be called <laughs> yeah right right and and most people who climb that take four four, four or five days and because you know, it's three thousand feet up <laughs> And uh, we did it in up and down in 19 hours. You had to be tired. Oh, I was so exhausted. I didn't think I was going to finish the last two pitches. I really didn't see how uh, it was going to (laughs) happen. It sounds like a theme for you. 
I can't do this. I can't do yeah, this. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. For <laughs> but the then last, you get I don't it know, done. How many years? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. my goodness, that is something else. That is, I mean, that's so awesome how you go from, you know, just running uh, with the dog yeah. to you're yeah, on the face yeah. of Elcat, like, and not that long of time. I mean, in a in a time of life where people are just kind of set in their ways. Exactly. People, yeah, I, I, that that really irks me when you know other teachers would say. Dear, you shouldn't be doing that. You're 50 whatever years old. Wow. And I, I, my gut reaction, even when I was five years old, it was, so what? <laughs> so what? So I'm 50. So next year I'll be 56. And so what? You know, it's I'm going to get older in, anyway. If I want to try these, now is the time. <laughs> not getting any younger, you know? No, not, not every second. I'm, I've, I've, we're getting older as we talk. I mean, every on, second counts, right? Every right. single day. I, I'm telling you, and and when you find somebody that's truly taken advantage of it, it is a, uh, it's an appealing point of view, and it's something you want for yourself anytime you see it. Exactly. Because you know it's hard to hold on to 24 seven, but you you need those like you need to sip on inspiration, and I'm sure with you having your son around. Yes. You get yes. a big my, dose of right. it all the time. <laughs> both, both of my kids, I mean, you talked about cycling for yourself. My daughter is a cyclist and she routinely goes on these thousand mile bike rides by herself. Oh, so she tours. She, I, I guess it's, is yeah, that, that what it's that's called? That's what I do. Yeah, yes, ma'am. That's called touring. I, man, we'd love to talk to her too. Cause I'm sure you probably, she's got yeah, stories you, to tell. Yeah. Oh goodness. She, she biked from. Portland to South Lake Tahoe a few years ago. And she just, you know, packs up her camping stuff on her bike and goes. She does all the homework about maps and, you know, where where there are trails, bike trails and stuff. And she just goes and, and loves the camping part. And she's just an amazing adventurer. She, I mean, I'm in awe of both my kids. You should <laughs> go with her. I would love to. I would love to. What's so much fun about bike torn is the journey aspect. It's days, just, yeah, you know, just yeah. like a big rock wall, but you're uh, you're covering so much ground and you're meeting people. There's like a right, right. And you can try food in different places. It's just this whole like almost quest to it. Right, and, right. It's uh, a real adventure. Yeah. It is, and and the downhills are fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> <You don't have laughs> right, right. That'd be my favorite part. <laughs> exactly, and so I, I'd love for you. I, you would love bike touring, you because know, you can cover so much ground so quickly. It's so much fun. But that's awesome. So you have two adventurous kids now. I mean, did their father, did did, did Alex's father instill that in him? I mean, I know that that was a turning point for all of you, and you mentioned it was shock yeah 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 he was 55 when he died but he, he was no he was not a, a doer he was a, an observer mostly he loved to travel but he just traveled and looked you know t- took pictures and wrote postcards and stuff and but he didn't really do much you know physical stuff um so no they didn't get that from it he was he was powerful he was a big guy and you know once in a while he, he would go on like a 40 mile bike ride uh, but he did these things in an unhealthful kind of way. And he knew he had a heart condition, but he'd do nothing for months and then go on a 40 mile bike ride. So he did, did a lot of things that taxed his heart. And that's what, that's, that's what killed him eventually. Man. So, so how is, when was the turning point for you noticing Alex's uh, ability? When was it like, Oh my goodness, this is, well, this is larger than. Yeah. Big. It, that's, <laughs> this is huge. It's kind of, it wasn't a one moment kind of thing, you know, it was, it was gradual. Gradual dawning, you know, I, I, we would get them, you know, he was still living at home back then and we'd get magazines and 
I'd see him in, a, in an advertisement or something, a picture of him climbing, and I'd think, huh, he must be pretty good. And then we'd, then I'd start seeing him on the covers of these magazines, and, huh, oh, he must be really good. <laughs> and then I heard about some of the free solos, like like uh, Bushido and uh, the vertical wall that he did out in the desert. Right, yeah, it's two, oh, it's two words. Two words. It's a two-word yeah, name. I've been looking at it all day. <laughs> I'm doing research. I mean, I should know. So between Moonlight, the two of us, we should, yeah, it's Moonlight Buttress. That's Moonlight right. Buttress. Moonlight Buttress. And when I saw that, I, I, I still didn't really grasp what he was doing, and I'd never seen any of these places myself, so I didn't realize the the scope, the grandiose scope of of where he was, you know, and what he was doing. And and I kind of pushed it to the back. I was too busy, basically. I, I didn't have time. And he'd come home and tell me these stories about, we went to such and such place, and we did this, and I, I climbed this, and I did this. And I didn't know the vocabulary. Right. So I didn't really understand what he was talking about. And he would ex- he would define things for me, but and then he'd leave for six months. And, and I was just too busy. I didn't have time to think about it. It's probably and for then your come good home. you didn't know what he was doing. It, it, that's exactly right. I think that was my mind... Um, protecting me you know and and then when he finally did uh, uh half dome remember half dome like oh, 10 yeah. years ago he when he did half dome that was yeah and, and then my mind kind of stood up and took notice and and did what it, but Panic? and well well no 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 i had to years ago come to terms with the fact that he knows what he's doing he's the only one who knows what he's doing and it would be the height of hubris for me to chime in. I didn't know anything about it. And I had to learn, teach myself to just trust his judgment, mm. which is a really hard thing for a parent to do, you know. I can only but, imagine. But I didn't know anything about what he was doing. And I knew that. He knew that. <laughs> if I, you know, had started chiming in and saying, uh, you know, Alex, you shouldn't be doing this, that, then he just would have kept his distance. You know, it wouldn't have been part of his life. That's a tough balance. And I wanted that is a very, very, very tough balance. And I had to master that if I wanted to be part of his life at all. And um, and I did. And I did master it. And I did want to be part of his life. And how has mastering that changed your life? I mean, it seems like you've well, yeah, done a lot it, since. It, if yes, <laughs> that this is a very big question. <laughs> how much yeah. time do we have? It was a, an uphill learning experience for me and uh, i had to learn to deal with but he talks about this a, a lot in his interview i learned i had to learn to deal with fear 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 for him fear for me fear for what might happen you know as a par- as a parent of young children your main job is to imagine all the dangers that you know bad things that can happen and protect against them you know you know, you put the bumpers on the edges of the tables and you, you lock the drawers so the kids can't get into them, you know, things like that. Well, I had to give all that up. I had to uh, abandon that way of thinking and just go for it for him and for me, you know. And so, yeah, it's been it's been a real heady experience, <laughs> a real heady experience. And I'm sure without it, you'd be a very different person today. Oh, totally. I would still be that same very secure very safe teacher writer you know and and i would not know half of what i know now (laughs) (laughs) right and and has it been all good is there some of that that you you might might miss as far as 
I don't know. Is there anything about that security that you do miss? Are you just kind of full force into this new lifestyle? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. I mean, I still have that. You know, I, I still write and I, I could still teach if I wanted to. Um, I still have all that past life stuff, but I have so much more now. Mm. Oh, goodness. It's, it's totally different life. And wow. I, I'm so glad we moved this way, you know incredible experiences I, I can only i mean i just i'm so curious because my own mother is my adventures are nothing as dangerous as this and my mother i i think she i think she couldn't sleep some nights knowing where i was do, doing what yeah, i was doing yeah. and yeah, for, yeah i can't even imagine her getting over I, like not getting over that but working through that because it still it still grips her a lot and and for you well, I mean, you, when you, yours is so visual. You see that rock and you say, he went up there with nothing. You climbed I know, it yourself. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, so I have trip. trouble, yeah, I have trouble believing that I climbed that. <laughs> but, but I mean, we're, especially in this country, we're so trained to go for, for the security. We are. Everything has to be safe. I feel like it's you know? advertised to us constantly. Oh, yeah. right, exactly, exactly. And most people buy into that. And I don't understand why. Do you think there's any balance to it? Because I, I, I'll be honest, like a, after I spend about 10 minutes on, a, on an insurance company's website, I start getting a little panicky, like, oh, I might need this insurance. I might need this. But then I think, no, no, I don't. I don't need this right now. Exactly. But they're so good. At, but if, but if you're pounded, right, exactly. They're so good at it. Exactly. And, and, even it, I, I had that in spades because my parents went through the depression and my oh. father, my father was in world war two and they were totally all about security. <laughs> you know, that, that was, that was it. That was the main goal in life was to, and, and I can understand that. Mm. I mean, life is very mm. insecure, <laughs> you know, their, their parents all came from extreme poverty in Poland. I mean, I, I, I get it. I understand it philosophically, but there are, are limits to that. You know, you just have to find that fine line. And most people don't even search for that line. Most people just buy into it entirely. And that's so sad because they miss so much. <laughs> they miss so much. I know it. And that's what we talk about on this show is, man, you cannot live your whole life preparing for retirement for when you can't right. do anything for your, for death. your death exactly right right death. what an, I'm, I'm so happy you've experienced this at this stage in life and and, and i know me too what do the people <laughs> around you think they think i'm crazy <laughs> they think i'm crazy that was basically the reaction at, uh, at the college and i'd say hey, what are you doing this weekend oh, i'm going climbing up on the sierra oh deirdre you're crazy you, 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 you're gonna get hurt that's what if, that's everybody's big fear is you're gonna get hurt and you might and you might you might go going across the street you might get killed by a bus exactly. you know who yes you might get hurt and no you might not and you might have the experience of a lifetime you know but most people just you know yeah i, I never understood that i i never will let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible that is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. With the successful free, sol free solo of El Cap, how much did you have any sort of uh, uh, warning or, or, or did you know about that when it happened no, or did no, you keep it no, pretty no. secret? 
No, he's, he has never told me about any of his free solos beforehand. And that is strategic. That is, yes, strategic. Good for good for his good for his mindset, and and so good for mine. Even better for yours. <laughs> Even better for mine. Yeah, exactly. Because he needs his mind clear when he's doing these things, and you know, it wouldn't be if he knew that mom was home worrying and thinking, "I wish he wouldn't do this." Because <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I don't. I'm not a parent yet. I will be in about two months. I. I Oh, congratulations. Am, thank you. I, I imagine you no matter how much work you do, you can't completely get over oh, no. it's fine for him to do that. You've still No, no it's not fine. Right, exactly. <laughs> you Always. still wanna take him and keep him safe. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, I feel that way about him, about my kids, about myself, but there are limits to that. You have to I'd say before all this, what what was your what was your hope for your children? Uh, as they grew up, what do you, what did you want for them? And what could you, what do you imagine Alex doing now if he wasn't doing this? Now, you mean after the free solo or, or if he wasn't, if he weren't a climber, if he weren't a climber, uh, say, if he say not, living in the van was just, you know, three, four year yeah. thing and he moved on. Yeah. 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 He would probably have gone back to Berkeley and finished his degree as an engineer hmm. and would have been bored to tears and <laughs> would, would not have understood why he felt so frustrated. You know, he's so lucky to have found his bliss, gone for it, and just settled into it for life. I mean, so few people ever have that experience, that opportunity. I mean, I hate to call it an opportunity. We all have the opportunity, but we all turn our backs on it. Most people, Mm. you know, um, you know, so he, he had the courage to just go for it. And it was a combination of things. His father had just died. You know, he had my van. He, he he had a little money from the insurance. So he had the opportunity and he had the, the, the go, go for it-ness, you know, the, the, the drive. It's a, it's a, it's a lining of the stars in a way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And now, now yeah. An, uh, an Oscar star. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. right exactly. <laughs> So he probably would have been an engineer and probably would have, you know, n- never understood why he felt, always felt so frustrated. And we always encouraged our kids to do whatever they wanted to do in life, you know, of course. And, but, of course, we were all teachers, you know. They're, both, both their parents were teachers. My mother was a teacher. Charlie's parents were teachers. And, you know, it goes <laughs> – it's in the it's in the genes, as it were. Wow. So Stacia became a teacher also. And uh, – she had to give it up because she got so disgusted with teaching to the test. And then when there's another, after that, there's another test. And after that, there's another test. And she, she loved teaching. She loved, and she's so good at it. She loved molding those young minds and, and exposing them to new experiences and new ideas. And But she wasn't allowed to do that. She had to teach to the test. So she, just, so she doesn't do that anymore. But so, yeah, whatever, I don't know where they would have gone, but she uh, probably would have been doing the same thing she's doing. And Alex, who knows? <laughs> who so are knows? you happy with the direction he's taken? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's followed his bliss. And he's, I mean, ha- how many people do you know who can't wait to go to work in the morning because they love it so much? Yeah, less than a handful. Yeah, exactly. And Alex, my, both of my kids are, are, are lucky enough to be like that. 
Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, a, I probably know two to three people and you, you got in the two kids. Yeah. And I've got two of them. <laughs> you got two of them. Yeah. There's two more people I know now that, do, yeah, that are doing yeah. it. But so, so, you know, your, your life, I mean, from starting an orchestra from scratch to <laughs> teaching tons of different languages to climbing one of the biggest, the biggest rock face in the world. Can you even begin to express to us what's next for you or do you just have no clue at this point um no i have i have a fair clue um i have begun to sample um international climbing you know, i've been going to other places to climb and i love that i really love that and i really would love to expand that a lot i've gone i've climbed in greece and i've climbed in france and i've climbed in mexico and canada and various places in the u.s and every place is totally different and it's a totally different experience and and i just love it you know it's it challenges you in different ways and i i want to expand my lead climbing you know i i I lead climb but very babyish stuff you know um just because i'm a mom and i'm i my 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 mind works overtime and stops me from just going for it I think I think that will probably always be the case to a certain point. I mean, I started old and I had kids, and I, to a certain extent, I, I will not be able to get rid of that. But but I'd like to try it out on different in different countries, different places. There's so many places I want to go climb that, that you know my list is enormous, and so I, I don't lack for things to do. But but there's always also my career. I mean, I. I've been a writer all my life as well as a teacher. And uh, I have this book coming out in May, you know, Sharp End of Life. I have a French textbook coming out this summer. Um, and writing the two of those at the same time for like two or three years was a real challenge. It takes you back to them days when you were doing all the estate stuff. and Yeah, exactly. exactly. It, it was it was like that. Um, so I got them both done. So I have a French textbook coming out, my, my second edition of my French textbook coming wow. out this, this year as well. And I just uh, found out we're signing soon a contract for to publish my book, my memoir, The Sharp End, in France. That's coming out in 2020 in France. Well, you'll have to and, go over there and uh, do some climbing. And uh, Yes, yes, exactly. Tour. That was my thought. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first reaction. And then uh, we're, so we're ta- talking also with publishers in Italy and in Poland right now. All right. Well, another another good climbing destination. So yeah, yeah, sounds like exactly. I know what you're going to be doing for a while now. Yeah, as soon as my foot heals. Yeah, as soon as my foot heals. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so, what do you think is uh, what do you think's next for your son? I mean, it, it's hard to top that. Do you think it's? I yeah, I don't like to speculate on that. He he needs a lot of time now to come down. You know, from from where he's been for two years, three years, it's been a totally invasive process i mean it's taken over his life 100 percent. so he needs to get his life back first um and he and sunny are leaving on vacation tomorrow i think they're going to to <clears throat> excuse me they're going to uh portugal to just climb and go to the beach for two weeks and that's what they need so i'm not going to speculate beyond that he'll probably work a lot with his foundation and I hope, and and that his foundation is such a legacy, and I'm so proud of him for doing that. And uh, I, I'm my book is going to help support it as well. You know, proceeds from my book will, some of the proceeds will go to the Hunter Foundation, 
And uh, so he has that. He can always do that for the rest of his life. I mean, he, that 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 could be a full time job. Absolutely. But he'll 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 no doubt climb for the rest of his life. Oh, but, for sure. For you know sure. what kind of climbing? I'm sure will will change over the years. And he's always talked about grandkids. You know, so he's that's that's going to happen. Is that a hope days. for you? Uh, well, I, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I it would be great. Uh, you know, if it happens, um, I never. Uh, I'm, I'm not one of those people who long to be a grandmother, but, um, but if it happens, it'd be wonderful. It'd be magical. So, and he's always talked about that. So first, first step of course, is your own kids. So that, that'll probably change his climbing somewhat, you know, like it did for Tommy. I tell you what though, Tommy's still doing <laughs> unreal things with your son. I know. I know. Part, and, and it's, uh, it's interesting. We talked about that with him a lot. Um, how has that changed? And, um, mm-hmm. That'd be that'd be interesting, and yeah, I, I don't think people realize, you know, that between these huge events like free soloing, El Cap, Half Dome, and some of the bigger, well-known things, it is you know, quite a few years in between. It takes time to, yeah. to, to authentically grow an idea like that, and then to pursue yes. it is a whole other yes. set of years. Right, and so you can't really force that level of creativity and that level of daunting task you have to take on, and that's man, that's really fascinating, and. You know your 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 book's coming out soon. You're going to be busy with that. You're going to be um, climbing all yeah, over the world. Yeah. Very excited for you. So, what advice would you share with someone? Would you share with the person you were when you were working on that estate, when you were teaching and running around like crazy before you were running? What would you tell yourself back then? That's that's kind. Of, you you really need to pick another person because the only no. I say that because the only reason I wasn't out doing stuff was that I was overworked. Mm. You know, I, I didn't have the time. And there was um, nothing you could do about that. Too many obligations. And there was nothing I could do about it. Exactly. So it's, it would, to talk to my younger self would be preaching to the choir. I, mm. I, I knew who I was, but I could, I couldn't do it, you know, but, uh, so pick, pick somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you didn't. You, you knew you wanted to do things that were out, right. out of the yeah, box. Yeah, I've, I've always I've always wanted that. I mean, I've done all kinds of jobs in my life. I'm, I was I was an international tour guide for several years and wow. loved that. I loved it. You know, I got to use my languages and meet people from all over the world. And, and I worked at JFK Airport for a while, and that was fascinating. Wow. And so I I've done all kinds of things, and I've always enjoyed branching out, trying new stuff. Mm. And, but life often keeps you from it. I understand that. I, I get it, you know, people who say, oh, I can't do X, Y, Z because I have to, you know, do ABC. Um, and that's true. There's a lot of have tos in life, you know? So, so I guess your advice would be when you get the chance, go for it or. Exactly. Exactly. Like that. You, I know you can't right now and I understand, but when, you know, five, six years, when this clears up, you, you don't, yeah, don't hesitate. Yeah. If you think it's a good idea. Now, while you're overwhelmed, write it down. (laughs) Journal about it. (laughs) You know, uh, the power of journals. I can't stress that enough. Um, That's what kept me sane while I was going through all that craziness for so many years. Um, So journal about it and and keep it alive in your journal. And then when the the time opens up, it'll be there. Because it seems like you're at that point in life where people say, no, those hopes that I wrote down years ago, I can't do them now. I'm I'm getting yeah, older. Yeah, right. I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm too infirm. You know, keep your body in good shape and you can do whatever you want. 
Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into this more, um, hear your story and just to learn as much as I can from you. I, I love a life that's taken lots of unexpected turns and a, a life <laughs> that's done a lot of yeah. interesting types of things. You, yeah, you're not one dimensional sure. by any means. And so no. it's awesome to see also becoming a parent. I'm super scared that I won't be able to do anything ever again. So no, not true. Not true. I know it. And that's so it's so helpful for me to hear from Kid, people like you. Don't forget that kids are travelers. Kids are born travelers. Wherever you want to go, you can take the kids anywhere. This used to scare me, uh, too, about other people. You know, mm-hmm. kids, people. I took my kids to France when they were four almost four and almost six, just, just me and the two kids. Wow. And we stayed, eight, we stayed eight weeks. Wow. And, and everybody, everybody, everybody to a person tried to chalk me out of it. And, but kids are traveling through life every day. They have no habits yet when they're born. They have no habits. If you get them in the habit of traveling, they travel. You get them in the habit of sitting at home. That's what's natural to them. So, you know, whatever you want to do, just bring them up that way. You know what I mean? Life doesn't have to end. Yeah, when, when you have kids. People think, oh, I have kids, I have to settle down. Only if you want to. <laughs> we talk to a lot of people that live in RVs full-time on this show, and they yeah. say the kids yeah. the kids surprise them how, about how easily they accept the lifestyle. Exactly. They don't the have kids a point are, of reference yet. <laughs> exactly. Kids, kids don't have a normal yet. Kids... You ever heard of, there's a book back in the 60s, I, don't know, I think it was the 60s, about teaching. And it's called The Way the way It's Supposed to Be. All kids think that what they are experiencing is the way it's supposed to be. You know? And That's that makes right. total sense. If you're one, you don't know how things are supposed to be. They're supposed to be the way they are, period. And, you know, it's only from the adult perspective there it says yeah, I, you know, you, yeah. You assume, I assume i assumed up until a point probably till i became an adult that everyone had the same childhood i did everyone had no, the same no, experience not at all and, and ain't that the truth not at all well this is getting me excited i'm pretty nervous <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. looking forward to it but now I'm yeah like, yeah yeah okay i could do this <laughs> you can do it you got it aced <laughs> oh, oh. Well, I, I well, perfect. I, I won't keep any more of your time. I really appreciate That's you okay. being on. Thank you very much. Well, wonderful. Well, have a great day, and uh, I'll let you know when this comes out. Good talking right. to you. See you. Okay, great. Bye bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes. Share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventure sports podcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>